Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I'm at work and I call my bluff and I just want to get out 
I'm tight, I'm alright, I just fight Prepare for the drought, let me go on Every day I'm out on the slog, let me go on Hundreds of one months of jobs Alright, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder, where I speak to artists about their lives and music, how they've sustained doing what they love, including all the side hustles they've had along the way. So I find that stuff interesting and, and it doesn't seem like many people are talking about it. For today's episode, I spoke to Jessica Winter a day before she played at the Estrella Galicia Paper Dress Vintage Night in London, which was an ace night. Loads of great food, good beers, of course, and good music. Miss Tiny and Playback Maracas also played. It was a brilliant night and Jessica Winter really floored me. I'd had a couple of beers and I was just pretty shocked. It really blew me away. It was ace. I loved it. I've got a huge apology to make for this episode. I did something wrong and my microphone wasn't working properly. So the quality isn't really much that. So look, I'm really sorry. Maybe you can pretend you're listening to some mainstream radio station where they have callers all the time. But I hope you enjoy anyway. And cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. Supported by 2000 Trees Festival, which is an ace independent rock festival in Cheltenham. Just in a couple of weeks now, Soft Play, formerly known as Slaves, Bullet For My Valentine and Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes are headlining. Loads of amazing artists and bands playing as well, like Rival Schools, The Bronx, Holding Absence, Prima Queen, High Viz, Black Honey, Kneecap. If you want to go to 2000 Trees but you haven't got your ticket yet, head to 2000trees.co.uk and use the voucher code 101POD to get 20 quid off your ticket. Alright, here's Jessica Winter on 101 Part-Time Jobs. what it really comes down to is what suits you as the individual so i wonder if that's a good place to start have you found a place you know someone who grew up in portsmouth moved to london to ostensibly immerse yourself more into music have you do you feel like you're well on your way to kind of finding what makes you content makes you happy playing this is music a question i ask myself all the time <laughs> <laughs> and I don't actually have the answer for um, yet because it's like it's just constantly changing. Because like when I first moved out of Portsmouth, um, I wanted to be like touring all the time, and like I don't know, thought that I thought that a lot of the music industry things that you would do would bring me happiness. I guess so. I was like chasing this dream, right. and then that dream definitely has changed over over the years because um the reality of some of these things are actually just like really not what you would imagine them to feel like um are we talking podcast interviews are we talking magazine interviews no, <laughs> you know what, what kind of those like industry yeah, no, things? I feel, not in like industry things as in like the the actual job of, so when you turn what you love into a job, like there's always going to be things. Suddenly you're like, you have to do stuff. You can't not do it. People are relying on you, all these things. And then so suddenly creativity becomes like a product and uh, something you have to deliver. And so like that completely changes the reason why you got into music in the, in the first place. So it's really important, I think, to try and like 
re- regularly review and go like, and and also not not moan not moan about the fact that you've chosen to do it because it's like like any job like you <laughs> you have to look at it like and stop being fucking privileged, you know like don't go oh oh I don't like doing that so then I'm not going to do it. It's like well how privileged do you want to be? Yeah, like well, if you if you feel like that if you're that complete if you're that free in life to like just be able to do what you feel when you feel like it then I think that's the path to madness. People start playing music because it's something they like. You know, there's there's school and there's family. Usually those are the two anchors when you're when you're younger and you, you find music and your music is an escape or, you know, just something that fills you with a feeling that you want to explore more. And once that kind of subculture of your life, that counterculture of your usual day becomes the primary culture of your day, that must be confusing yeah it is and um and that's what that's what i've had to realize like because i do like 12 hour days yeah it's like but then that's because i've you know i think if i was just doing my own music which i actually am at the moment because i'm trying to do an album which is really it's never done anything like such a huge body of work before it's always done like an ep and i've had like a whole year to think about an ep (laughs) whereas um Hey, EP's still a body of work, isn't it? It is, it is. But this is like an album and it's your first album. So it's, you have all the, you know, all these voices in your ear going, oh, you never only get, you only get to make one debut album. Right, right. And it's like, you've already got that, your own pressure on you to do that anyway, but. And Limerence is such a fantastic EP. It goes, it it goes lots of, it, it feels very sweeping for me. It's very like, it kind of hosts me. Oh, Do you know what I mean? I'm glad. I d- it's very, um, yeah, I feel like it's, I don't know, maybe because I've written it, I just feel like it, it varies a lot <laughs> and yeah. maybe not, not in a good way. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's like each and everyone's experience is right. But I think my, when I think back to the most important EPs of, of like the, the ones I'm most fans of, they tend to be, uh, exploring a few different directions and then you can see what the album that comes after that you can see what they've followed on followed the thread from one or two or even like bits of from the EP yeah yeah and so that's what I'm trying to focus on is trying to like refine and mm. and yeah that's what I'm right in the thick of at the moment. And so it's like... <laughs> yeah. And, and so you're writing for other people. You know, you, you've talked in interviews about, you know, you know, becoming a producer as well as an artist. Does that mean writing for other people? Yeah. Um, well, I've been doing writing and producing for four or five years now. And I think that's when, when you realise, oh, okay, that like... You can't just wake up one day and go, I feel like this, I'm going to write like this. You have yeah. to put that practice of, of, of writing into this artist is walking in the room. What they, they want this type of sound. They want this, they want to say this about themselves or this about this. And you have to just use your brain in a completely different way. Because yeah. for me, when I do my own music, I let like experience and feeling of that moment shape a song and so like those songs don't come around very often because it's all about learning and living and and so like I feel like 
it's quite nice that I get to do my artist my artistry of my like my own stuff and not put that pressure on and not put not go you need to write a song today and what's it going to be about and you know whereas like yeah there is a there is a complete huge ginormous machine beast of the music industry where like every day you're churning out different things and you have to like you have to just keep making different songs different people and is that the bread of bread and butter for you in terms of you know look it's crude to talk about but money right and like surviving and paying rent is that is writing for other people a big part of your you know life in terms of surviving and yeah definitely um i've been doing that for like yeah as i said like four or five years but then the main thing i've been doing over the last two years is composing um so i did what's the difference sorry it sounds so ignorant um so composing for score so right. I, did, I did a tv show yes um, i did two tv shows so i've done, done two seasons now come on um which shows sorry i have maybe i've, I've missed therefore that. um cbbc yeah yeah it's so fun and it was so cute because it was like working with these kids and i just got to like make really fun kid music what do you mean working with the kid? They were in the studio. What, how yeah, I had to get them in and they did little songs. So they did, we did a song about a frog. Come on. Did, it was so, it was just so cute. Um, uh, and like that, obviously like that pays, that paid me enough money to live on for a year. So. Brilliant. brilliant. I, so then, yeah, I might be doing another one this year. Don't hey. know. Were you surprised that you enjoyed it so much? No. That's, like I've wanted to do I've wanted to do that this shit since I was very young like I've always wanted to just whenever I've heard like film scores TV scores and stuff I was always I've always like I want to do that yeah. never thought I would ever do it so like it's amazing that got that's to even, wicked especially for like CBBC yeah and it's totally unreal one of my best friends does post production I re- this is the point where I realised I don't know exactly what he does but he does the sort of um, you know in Chernobyl and the, they you know they had to track down the, the sound of the actual ambulance siren that was true to uh, what, when did Chernobyl happen oh my god and so you know talking to him about that is just so fascinating because look what, he, so he does Foley exactly yeah I only learnt about that a couple of years ago love that shit it's yeah. just fucking cool because it really it really, you know, and, and maybe it's silly that someone who works in, as audio audio as a medium now, but, you know, the effect that that has when you're watching a TV show or a film is absolutely huge. Yeah. Just like turning the tap on, the noise of the tap yeah. and everything. It's amazing, like, yeah. having to redo every noise. I didn't realise that that was even a thing. Having to literally, the breath, like, walking, everything. Yeah, and now you think I was. I've started watching The Wire. I thought after Succession, I was like, "Fuck it, I really need to get into something like meaty again here." And started watching The Wire, and there's a few scenes where I'm thinking, "Where is the boom?" You know, because it's a wide shot and it's a, and it's oh. just, it's a low ceiling. Where's the boom? Have they got a lapel mic? Where's the sound coming from? And that that could be a very interesting thing. And that doesn't take away the magic at all. No, almost like when you when you're when you have a blank canvas and you can just create. The sounds you want yeah yeah what well, have, have you have you you know other than cbc and comp- composing right now what can you tell me anything that you're working on anything you've, you've finished or particularly excited about 
I worked with the Horrors yesterday. Ace. Um, so I think I might, might have like a couple of songs on their album. Lovely. Uh, How did that come about? How did that, you meet them? I don't, oh my, that's actually quite funny. Like we met at a Dorian Electra writing camp. At where, sorry? A Dorian Electra writing camp. Never heard of it. What, what and okay, where? Dorian Electra is this like um, hyper pop, like experimental pop artist from LA and they are like very extreme everything's really extreme so like we were <laughs> when I got asked because I've been working with another artist called Jasmine Bean I don't know if you know them no okay and so like the, there's this whole world of like extreme hyper pop artists yeah and um and I got asked to go in there to do some writing I didn't know what I was going to be walking into and it was just this like old church and we were all just sat around and, and I just like looked around and I was thinking, it just feels very 2007. <laughs> like I was just looking and I just saw, and then, and then I realized that's Faris from the horrors. That's Jamie from the Claxons. <laughs> it was like, it was, and, and Dorian had done it on purpose. Like they'd put in a grime, grime producers with the Claxons, with the horrors, with me. And we were all just in a room trying to make some crazy new sound. And it was so quality. <laughs> and that's how we met. And so we all got on, like, had a laugh. I don't Brilliant. know. Brilliant. And that's, that's I just. I don't know if we made anything good, but it was funny trying. Hey, that's a day's work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you met Faris, you met, you, 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 and you wrote a couple for the New Horrors record. Yeah. But we don't even, I don't even know if it's going to be cut yet. He's going to LA to record it on Friday. So we've got two, we've got two good songs. Who knows? Ace. And how much, when, you know, reflecting that on your own album, you must write from experiences, you know, and you write about, you know, what you're going through and, and your, you know, how you frame your life at that, at that moment. Coming back from a session like that, when you've written from how, written with Faris and the horrors, you know, do you think that, do you think that that's, you know, influences you I was trying to use, not use the word influence there but I think it influence all these experiences when I'm writing with other people more influence the sound rather than what I'm trying trying to say yeah and almost sometimes it doesn't influence actually what I'm trying to say but like um, most of the time it's it's like you're hearing things you've never heard before you're hearing like fusions you've never thought to put together <laughs> and so it is it's really inspiring and you're like I feel like I'm picking it, picking these things up every every day. So I've been putting in a new situation every day, and that's what's like really. That's what's really exciting about opening yourself up to to working with other people and not just being like no. I think there's like there's a definitely like a fine line of you can be too much like that, mm. but I think it's really important to be open, mm. let the world in. Now's a really amazing time and I've had the blinkers on for a long time and I'm, I'm just learning really about, about not, not even hyper pop, but just alternative pop. And cause I've been rock and roll my whole life. You know, I've been going mm -hmm. to see punk rock bands and, yeah. and occasionally, you know, you hear a song at a party and be like, I don't know fucking what that is, but I love it. And. I, I don't really know where to start at home and, and you know now more than ever you've really you know if you're a music fan you've really got to take that into your own hands and start digging you know wherever mm -hmm. that is Reddit Spotify Apple you know where blogs you've really got to go through what's your you know getting into 
alt pop you know i sound like a wanker saying that but you know into you know interesting pop maybe is, is feels more natural for me to say uh you know yeah what you say there about making sure you you know trying to keep on the right balance of not working because because everything's at your fingertips right the world is at your fingertips it's almost so oversaturated and everything it's almost like i feel like discovery is so difficult because you're throwing so many things at every day and and you're just like overwhelmed by new music new imagery yeah it's hard to know what you like anymore and i imagine that's going to make it difficult perhaps to find an identity especially in a music industry that's a bit like it's your first album go and you know find a real strong identity and that is going to be you and because of like algorithms and tech and the way everything's progressed it's like you have to be so specific of your subcategory and your genre and that's like that's why i've had a that's why i'm doing this as well like because i don't give a shit anymore like I literally am not going to play to an algorithm or that's why I have got loads of different genres and different sounds. And that's why I don't like put bright colors on everything I do. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to have to like change why, what I'm doing for tech or for algorithms. And so if that means I won't be doing any interviews in the next couple of years, then so be it. Like (laughs) I want to go, I'm going to go to my deathbed knowing that I made music and the imagery that I just genuinely want to make rather than playing to an algorithm and picking like, okay, I'm a grunge artist, so I'm going to make purely grunge music. Like that's not artistry to me. That's going, I'm picking a form and I'm just going to regurgitate something that's happened before. And you've got all these like modern pop, I'm sounding so bitter right now, but (laughs) you have all these like modern pop, artists that are just rehashing something that's happened before and they're picking like a dress code and a, it's quite it's quite mad that's why so when when i say like alternative pop i guess alternative pop is by is trying to like try like putting a few things in the mix and not not necessarily following one one thing that could be you know algorithmed genres are always going to be really hard because I'd love it to not have to say, oh, they're a power pop band or they're an alt pop band or they're a grunge band. But it has to start somewhere, right? If you're introducing yeah. something to your friend, it has to have some kind of bigger context. And then that's almost like the entry point into the into the guts of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think but I don't mind alt pop because it's so vague and it gives you lots of freedom and you can... <laughs> I've been starting to say like a lot of my favourite guitar bands are sort of like they're a pop band because they're writing pop songs. And exactly, yeah. The level of distortion varies. The the drum sound varies. You know, the vocals vary, of course. Um, look, let's talk about jobs because, you know, growing up in Portsmouth, I grew up near Watford and I imagine they're sort of very similar sorts of towns in that they're, they're big enough towns for a bit of opportunity, but they're still a bit shite. Yeah. <laughs> and Portsmouth, uh, do you have like a squaddies section there? So do you have the kind of Marines yeah, it's like, level um, of, of people? It's like a melting pot of Navy students, council estate. Um, it's just a really gorgeous mix there where you go out on a Friday night and they all go to the same strip called Guildhall Walk and everyone gets thrown out at midnight and you've got the squaddies wanting a fight, the students 
just absolutely smashed being sick all over the floor and then all the council estate like us lot just going crazy so it's all fight fighting fights and sick just every night it's not a good night out without a good fight or a sick bit of laughing gas bit of laughing gas i love i love portsmouth now i love going back to it but when i was growing up i just couldn't wait to get get out of it yeah um now i'm glad that i come i come from there and i'm glad that i've like experienced my my like experiences there did, did you like have many people to look up to in terms of being a musician it's such a big music scene when i was when I, I don't know if it is anymore but like when i was growing up like my uncle was in a punk band my other uncle what are they called they're archive 45 i'm not no they're they're local they're local heroes yeah and yeah, so like it. it's um yeah, he was in like a lot of punk bands growing up. Growing up, but the Archive Forty Five were the most recent ones. Um, yeah. And they basically like there's a big punk scene because it's like a seaside town, so it's kind of like vintage. Everything's a bit vintage, rock and roll. Like. Yeah. And South Sea is quite rock and roll. I went to Force yeah. It Arms, Force It In, quite a lot. Oh my god, you know that? It always felt a bit naughty down there. It is really like. I don't know, people, it must be the sea air or something, but people just, you know, like, like they, they go crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, like, yeah, it's just, it's, there was this place called the Horseshoe, and it was like, everyone would play there. And I just used to idolize these punk bands so much. I just, they just thought that I just wanted to be a punk when I was like 14, 13, so much. Yeah. Um, and because my uncle was also like, and so then all of us kids, all my uncle, so my uncle, his friends, they all stayed in Portsmouth. They were all punks, and then they all had kids. And then we would all go and see our uncles play or our dads play or whatever. Yeah. And then we would just be around with each other. And then another culture is born. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's, it's really actually really cute because it's it's just local and family and a community. Yeah. And I think I think it's really important that like that's kind of lost. And then maybe that's why Portsmouth has got such a strong like music identity because it has come from like generations and generations and generations before almost like folk you know i think that's key to i was gonna say like creating stuff and like building stuff for yourself i think that that's like key for a, a good life having people roughly your age friends or family where it, they're all family and you all see each other every day and you work together and you give advice to each other and you ask for advice from each other and there's guidance there. I think that's so key. I think that we feel isolated is a big word, but I think we do feel so isolated now. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why music is actually so important because music creates a family. And that's why when I moved to London, I felt quite out like alone for a while because I just didn't know where to go, where to find the right people. And I knew that music was always kind of like this warm embrace when you go to a gig and you meet people that you're into the same music as you, you know, it's like, it is like a home. And so like a lot of people that are in music are probably, probably have had difficult family situations. So if you can find your people in a different way, music definitely gives you that like lighthouse to oh we're, we're here over here come and hang out with us over here yeah love that love that and 
for me, definitely true. One hundred one part-time jobs. 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 I heard read. You know, you worked at a chip shop and you got sacked being too slow, and then <laughs> you found the hotel and you started putting on shows there or or, or, or pub come brothel that you later found out and you're doing the hosts and putting on the nights there how do you oh, know this oh because i've been doing my research i'm a oh, journalist yeah and look i don't like asking people to repeat stories they've said over anywhere else because anyone listening to this can go and can go and read that for themselves they can do their own work but you know moving to london and having that bit of background did you find something immediately for work in london <laughs> No, it's like, so there was this Navy, I basically, I kind of worked in the Navy, I kind, basically, and and they offered me, <laughs> I was like 18, and like, it, was my, it was one of my first jobs, like obviously chip shop jobs were like 14, 15, 16, then I started doing nights when I was 16, illegally, in that brothel. That is rock and roll. Yeah, and then I started doing so that was 16, 17. And then I got like, I thought, okay, well, I need to try and get a proper job. And so then I got a job in the Navy. <laughs> Please do, do like go deeper. You, you, what did you apply for? So I just applied. I thought, I didn't really know what I was, what I was applying for. I know, my mate did it. And I was just like, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and they basically what we had to do was wear these like little tiny red dresses. Yeah. And we used to go into the Navy base. I was security cleared for like 10 years. It was a th most thorough security check. I could walk into any barracks in this whole of the UK with this pass. What? Yeah, I got this pass. And it's probably... What do you mean it lasted for 10 years? Yeah, I got this like military, mili MOD security clearance. Come on. Yeah. And so then I got to walk into the, I got to walk into this Navy base and I had to go and put on presentations to regiments before they deployed for Afghanistan or Iraq. Wow. Yeah. And I used to have to pop, like have a pie chart and I used to have to say, this is how many people lost a leg. This is how many people died. This is how many people had shrapnel. What? I, just, I, I could never do that now. I could never do that. But I did it, and it was shocking. How did that feel? Do you remember your first day? Eighty guys that I had that I'd never like. I think they'd never seen a woman before <laughs> for like six months or something. They'd been training, and they were literally like fresh out of Purbright, which is a training camp. And they had they had like were about to go to Afghan, and I had to like scare them basically to take out insurance and to take make sure they were covered. And would and that be the their family as well? Would it? Yeah, for like, and a lot of them were really young parents, so they were like eighteen with kids, and it's just a really bleak. I don't know. I just really not sure about the whole armed forces in general. No, the, the people that are signing up are literally on their ass. They have got nothing, no other opportunities in life, and they have got kids, and they have to. That's the only, it's the only hope. So they don't even know what they're going into as well. Mm. They're just doing it because there's no other option. So how how like how deep into their stories do you like how much did you know about these people and I ended up getting really deep 
because I just felt so sorry for them. And I wanted to make sure that they knew like what they were even signing up for. And and then I would have people come back from Afghanistan because I, I worked there for like six months or something. So no, I worked nearly a year actually. And so it was like, they would come back and I'd have people like, oh, I've lost them. I've lost my legs. I've lo-, And then I'd be their friend, you know? They would get in touch with yeah. you when they got back? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Hey, so, that's some serious growing up you did in those years or in that six months. Yeah. And so it was, um, it was really, really eye opening and got to, and I got around, I went around all the barracks. Like I went around all the London ones. And so that, that's what basically enabled me to get to London. Right. Cause I, because I started work because I worked in the, the Portsmouth Navy camp and then they were like, right, you can go anywhere if you want. Mm. So I was like, oh my God, I can go to, I can go to London. So you did that in London as well. So I did that in London when I moved up to London, and then, um, and then I, then I, then I went and worked for Pizza Hut. <laughs> yes, love Pizza Hut. Love the all-you-can-eat deals in midweek. Yeah. What was? And then I worked. For, then I worked for Domino's. There we go. Driver. I did. I did delivery, and then it was, and then I like started crying because I just got lost and scared, and so then I, then I went onto the phones. Did you have a car? Did you have your own car? Yeah, nice. when at that time I did, because I was in from Portsmouth, everyone had a car. Right. But then this, I really, I realised, yeah, you can't have a car in London. It just costs too much <laughs> in the end, doesn't it? Yeah. That's funny. Do you have any particular memories of of delivery driving or Pizza Hut? Um. Yeah, I remember going to like the thirty second floor with some pizzas, and the, this guy opening the door and just um. I can't. Remember. Yeah, because this was like, I don't know, this was, I feel like he, he didn't pay, but maybe they already paid, but I feel like he didn't pay, he just took the pizza to pay, it was meant to be like a cash delivery right, or something. Yeah. And um, yeah, he didn't pay. And I was on the 32nd floor and I was just like, hmm, I'm just going to go back. <laughs> You're not losing anything, are you? No. Did you get to a moment when you thought, fuck this, I'm, you know, I'm really going to put my time where my where my where my heart's at was that like a what was that a gradual moment no that's always been that i've been right i've always been doing that like i've always put my heart everything i can into it but obviously like i'm not from a privileged silver spoon background so i've had to fucking work and and so i have always put every every moment i can into making music like that is all i've ever done and it was just that i'm and it wasn't until i got to like 29 30 when i actually got a deal right and so and i never gave up and 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 i and and i don't know maybe i will be out of a deal in two years or however long and then i still won't because i just love doing music and i and, and a job is just a job it's just money at the end of the day you just if you can make money making music or you can make money elsewhere it doesn't mean i'm not gonna not do music it's very easy to get wrapped up into that idea of jobs. Me and my partner talk about this all the time. We're quite guilty of it, about just being completely consumed by, I call it identity, call it like wor- worry, I suppose. It's worry, you know? And Yeah, especially because like of, of social media and stuff, like everyone's like, oh, I'm this person doing this with my life. What are you doing? And it's like, you know, we're all just born into different circumstances and if you have to go and work at Domino's Pizza, good on you. Yeah, well, you're still getting paid. Right. And do you know what? You're actually yeah. getting paid probably as much as 
anyone who's had a, got a degree and any like a lot of people because all these massive companies i'm a journalist and i i did a degree you know and and i still when i when i've had jobs at the big news building at times radio i still get paid a hundred pound a day once i've and then i'm paying my own taxes yeah anyone else is making as much as me yeah and i don't even have anything to show for it because they 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 hire contractors yeah and i bet you didn't get to make like a huge fort out of domino's pizza boxes i fucking didn't do that where did where did you at home no, in the we made a huge fort in the back. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and I, and I bet you didn't make get to make like a huge, huge pizza with just Nutella on it. Oh, like the size God. of the pizza oven. It was the the size of the pizza oven with mozzarella on. Nutella. Yeah, but Nutella and mozzarella. No, <laughs> just not just Nutella. Yeah. Damn. I love that. Yeah. Did you make some good friends there? Did you have a laugh? I mean, it sounds like you did. Yeah, I guess I, did, I, did, I don't speak to them anymore because I'm just like so, you know, famous now. It happens. <laughs> no, it was just quite a long, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I just, yeah. But we, yeah, I had a good time. Always have a good time. That deal that you got, was that from sending demos? Was that from someone seeing I you? I think that was just, no, that was just because of um, other people hyping me, I think. It, I started working with, I've been I've been working with all different people and like pr- producers and stuff and and then I'm just always playing gigs and I always had I always had some form of like management interested or helping me out doing things and I got put in this session with um, the Gorillas you know the the guy from Gorillas and I was, Remy and I was put in the studio for him for like nine months and we were working and working and working and working it was Damon Albon's studio so it was some really amazing studio I got to meet Damon a few times. Got to work with each member of the gorillas like, at different moments in that time, oh, and we were making like quite discoy kind of music. So like he was bigging me up to warp, and then I worked with a guy called Sidrim, and we made a song together. And he was bigging me up. So all these different people were just like saying my name in the stu- in their in their office, and they were like, "Who the- who is this?" Yeah. And then then they came knocking. Hey, good stuff. I didn't, I didn't approach. Them approach them and I actually forgot to email them back for about four weeks that <laughs> so they were is like, a long time yeah so she was, they were like she really doesn't give a shit <laughs> do you reckon that was like do you reckon that worked out well yeah I think it did it was the psychology of it because normally people are like sign me <laughs> yeah that's really funny I'm big into yeah. that hey Jessica thanks so much for being up for doing this 45 minutes is a is a it's a long form interview you know I didn't even get to talk about when I worked for the NHS. Yeah, but that's my last question. My last oh. question is, you know, I've got to end this with some sort of like knot and bow, is that I tend to ask people about like their their, their best work or, or worst work gaffes, classic scrapes of the workplace. Um, tell me about, well, tell me about the NHS first. Oh, well, that was just, that was just the best job I've ever had in terms of like part-time jobs. That was like- Down in Portsmouth. No, that was up in the Maudsley psych psych ward. Oh right. Yeah, that was incredible. What were you doing there? I was a psychologist assistant. And what was your day to day? What was your your what was your what were your days day like? Day to day would be like I'd have to pick up this USB and I'd have to walk through the wards and deliver it to the other side of the building. Cool. <laughs> it was just it was just the best job because obviously you got to meet all the psychologists and then you get to meet all the patients and that's just the most amazing and it's just the NHS in general is just best the best place 
in the world. Best invention ever to be made. Agreed. Were, were you able to really kind of ask questions to the psychologists yeah. and patients? Yeah. And they would always try and treat me like a case study as well, which was funny. Yes. Did you, so, I mean, do you remember, like, would you finish days and feel quite, you know, quite curious? Yeah. Yeah, it's really like, then there's always new new stuff coming through and people are always learning. And that's what's great about psychology and, and just like science in general is that, that you're never, you never, you never know everything. Yeah. So like every day is a new day. Yeah. Who knows what someone's going to find out next. And it's probably before, was it like before? And the characters that are there are so good. Was there like a, a strain on the NHS in that department at that time? Yeah, because it was work. My the department that we were working for was the adopted children and foster children, and it was all these programs designed to help these children in foster homes not to become offenders and drug abusers and stuff like that. Right. And it was just like so sad because I worked there for three years, and in that three years we had five programs, and then by the end there was one left. Wow, as a songwriter who's just you know wanted to write your whole life did you find it hard working a job that was you know you really had to focus on and and sort of put music out of your mind for those hours well it was a part-time job so it's four hours a day nice yeah and it paid all right yeah no it's just it was like normal yeah i think it was like 12 pound an hour or something yeah hey good on you and did you did you ever do anything wrong did you ever did you ever, you know, cover yourself in the opposite of glory? I think my the thing that I've done work the the the, the faux pas. What did you call it? Gaff. <laughs> the gaff is when I worked in um, the army bases, and I went up to the main man, and I said to, I had to have a meeting with the main man to to book in the next, you know, the next presentation or whatever it was, and I was like, oh wow, look. Wow, that who's that on your desk? That looks lit. That literally looks exactly like my my boyfriend. And <laughs> it was Bin Laden, <laughs> and he was like, "You know, do you know who that is?" Why did he have a picture of Bin Laden on his desk? Just like, just remember yeah, who the enemy is. His face. Yeah, he has to remember the enemy. <laughs> did he tell your boyfriend? Yeah, he did. Really look like him. <laughs> That's funny. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you. Uh, I'm going to press stop there. So there she was, Jessica Winter, currently writing her debut album, Catch Her on the Horrors, next record. Yeah, all good stuff. See you later this week with a new episode with Dead Letter. See you then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.